And now, Audio Theater Central. Hello, and welcome to Audio Theater Central. This is the show that explores family friendly audio drama through news, reviews, and interviews. I'm your host, JD Sutter, and this is episode 177. Well, in this episode, we'll have a review of Jonathan Park series 18, The One True God. And I will be joined by ATC contributor Michael Schrader for that review. And we're going to have some feedback from Jonathan, Sarah, Marshall, Judah, and Jeremy. All of that's coming up, as well as a bunch of audio drama updates. And I'm going to share a few thoughts on podcast distribution of audio drama. So, let's jump into this. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. And in other news tonight... A brief look at the headlines now. They want exciting, fast-paced news that's relevant and entertaining. Like this! Well, we're going to start off with an update on Pirateers from Eternal Future Productions. Episode 2 of Season 3 was released on February 27th, in case you missed it. And... All the voice tracks are edited and sound design is finished for episode three. So I believe they're just working on the score at this point. And they are halfway done with sound design on episode four as well. So they are starting to get these episodes cranked out. So the rest of the season should be coming over the next few months. Well, speaking of pirateers... This is a really cool and interesting item, and that is the Nick Guy Private Eye Show recently released a production called The Sign Within a Sign Affair, and Frank Uli, the creator, producer of that show, wrote a script, and he based some of the characters off of characters from Pirateers and asked those actors to come on to the Nick Guy Show and play those characters. So, Jonathan Cook, Alicia Hansen, Glenn Haskell, and yours truly all got to play characters that are based on our characters from Pirateers. And it was a lot of fun. I got to play a guy called Saltwater Willie, and it was a lot of fun. It's uh, it's an interesting crossover. You might even say that Captain Bosun and Sela are playing these characters on the Nick Guy show, or or perhaps vice versa, since Nick Guy is is a modern-day show and Pirateers is obviously not. But either way, it was a really fun show. I think you'll enjoy it. There's a link in the show notes to check that out. You can stream it on Dramafy. Well, this next item also has a connection to pirateers, sort of, and and that is that Glenn Haskell wrote and produced a a brand new audio drama that has Jonathan Cook and Alicia Hansen in the roles of the main characters, a husband and wife named Dave and Laura Chrisman. And boy, these Eternal Future Productions, people are just slipping into every show here. (laughs) But they did a great job. Um, I think it's some of the best acting I've ever heard from Alicia. And this is a really, really interesting show. It's called Slipping Past the Garden Gate. And there is a post on the ATC blog, which has the full credits, a summary, and a little behind the scenes 
that that Glenn Haskell shared about the creation of the show. I'm not going to say a whole lot because this story is is very unique. It is not your typical audio drama. Glenn has positioned it as an allegory, and it is sort of science fiction-y because there's a sort of time travel angle in the story. But I would say you just need to listen to it to understand. And as you're listening, don't worry if you're not quite following things or if something doesn't make sense, it will at the end because Glenn comes in and explains the whole thing. It's just really interesting. It's a half an hour show. And I told Glenn, I said, this is not just audio drama. This is a piece of art because it's just a really beautiful story told in a really interesting way. And once you get to the end and figure out what it all means, what these certain things represent, it will um, pack a punch. And it's it's just beautifully done. So hats off to Glenn for for making that happen. And also, just real quick, want to mention if you di- if you missed his post on our website, he wrote a, a really nice essay about his work over the years in the audio drama space. If you missed that, that is also on the ATC blog and definitely worth a read. Next up is Lamplighter Theater. Their next production, Shipwrecked, it is available for pre-order now, but it will be releasing this month in March. They haven't shared a specific date, but it is coming this month. And it's going to run about two and a half hours. And here is the summary. Experience the utter fear of abandonment, the tension of frigid desolation, and the resolute determination to survive in Shipwrecked. This breathtaking episode will keep you on the edge of your seat as you follow the spectacular events of a life-threatening voyage. The crashing of icebergs and the raging tempest will strike terror in the bravest heart. You'll be mesmerized, captivated, and awestruck as you give attention to the unexpected voyage of our three forsaken companions on their perilous journey. Well, my goodness, it sounds like a whole lot of danger in this one. So looking forward to this one coming up very soon. Link is in the show notes. If you want to go ahead and pre-order your copy, or if you're listening to this later in the future, that link will take you to where you can purchase it. Also, just a little tiny update on Reverend Spy that is coming up soon from Leaving a Legacy Ministries. This one is uh, based on a true story the team over there at Leaving a Legacy, they got John Campbell on the music. Christopher Green from Shadows and Daylight also worked on the post-production of this of this show. And they said that it is nearly completed. All the final last mixing and mastering of that stuff is, you know, in the works. But it is expected to release in April. So stay tuned for more information on that. That's all that we have at this time. But... This is one that I've been looking forward to ever since I first heard about it. And uh, so I'm excited for this one. All right. Now, stepping away from new audio drama, we have some information about SonicCon. They posted on the website the dates for this year, November 16th through the 18th of 2023, There are a lot more details to come, including what the masterclasses will be covering and who will be teaching 
All of that kind of stuff is still to come, and tickets will not likely be available until this summer. So be sure to stay tuned to the website. And of course, we will let you know once that information is coming out as well. But save those dates, November 16th through the 18th. Now this year, it is a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, rather than Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So be sure to take note of that. And again, more details to come. They are going to be shifting things a little bit. I think it's okay to say this. They're going to be focusing a little bit more on collaboration opportunities and networking and those types of things for people who are really interested in the the art, the business, and the creative process of making audio drama. So Sonicon coming up this year, really, really excited about that. And lastly, the Seneca Awards are coming up this summer as well. This will be the sixth Audio Theater Central Seneca Awards. Now, production submissions close the end of this month. March 31st is the last date for producers to submit their shows for consideration in this year's awards. March 31st is the last date. So if you haven't yet uh, submitted your show, be sure to do that. Also, the People's Choice nominations are open from today and run through April 15th. So you have about a month and a half to submit your favorite audio drama of 2022. So this is open to everybody. This is not just for producers, although a producer can submit to their show if they would like. So if you wanted to submit an Adventures in Odyssey episode or a Nick Guy show Whatever you want, whatever you thought was your favorite audio drama, your choice for the best audio drama of 2022, you can nominate that show. Now, the top five will then move on to the second phase of voting. So, again, that opens up today and runs through April 15th. Link is in the show notes or head over to thesenecas.org and click on the link in the navigation, which says People's Choice Award. So got a really good response last year. People really seem to enjoy getting to participate. So we are going to do it again this year. Testing. One, two, three. Testing. That was just me talking. I do that a lot. Where's my speech? How long are you going to bore us with this? That's what I want to talk about. Well, in this segment, I wanted to talk a little bit about using the podcast distribution method for a high-quality audio drama. And this is something that we have talked a little bit about over the years on the show before, but I don't believe we've ever dedicated a segment to talking specifically about this. And listener EZ sent a text a while back talking a little bit about his thoughts on this. And so it got me thinking about it again. And he mentioned um, there is a producer called Gen Z Media that they have been able to build a huge following around their audio dramas that they're releasing for free as a podcast. And they've gone in, into spinoff shows and books and TV and merch and all kinds of stuff. And they're building a business around this. Now, I'm not privy to, and I don't believe EZ is privy to, the behind the scenes of their business and how 
profitable they are or if they have investors who have come alongside them to help build this business. I don't know that, but looking from the outside, they are making waves in the world of podcasting and in audio drama. Now, I have not heard everything that they have released, and some of their stuff that I have heard is is pretty good. Others, not as good. Uh, we have talked about some of their shows in the past because they did that show where they teamed up with BYU Radio a few years ago, the Treasure Island 2020, which was a really great show. Uh, but we've talked about some of the other ones in the ATC Backstage podcasts, but I'm just using them as sort of an example here, so don't take that as a blanket endorsement of everything that they have produced, because I can't vouch for everything. I haven't heard it all, but um, I wanted to share a little bit about what EZ had sent in, and he said that, you know, back in the day, in the 90s, radio was the best bet for a new audio drama, and he said, but what worked on the radio back then will work today as a podcast, but the creators have to be willing to give it up for free to draw people in. Terrestrial radio, where you're locked into a specific day and time, is not going to work for people anymore. And even a website where you might offer a free episode, people are going to have to know it exists and go to the website and click on it. And that is so 2013, he says. <laughs> uh, so he has some good points here. And... He also did mention Discovery Mountain because, yes, Gen Z media is producing content in the secular market. So we're talking about either the world of Christian audio drama or family-friendly audio drama. There hasn't really been a big player who's just jumped in headfirst and, and went all in to make it a profitable business venture that I know of. Now, as I said, EZ did mention Discovery Mountain, and they have gone all in on the podcast distribution method. Uh, however, they are backed by a nonprofit organization. And again, I'm not privy to the behind the scenes of their financials and all of that, um, but I do believe that having a nonprofit organization behind you does make a little bit of a difference in you know, in helping get something up and running, especially. And they have also moved into uh, a freemium sort of model. Originally, all of their stuff was just put out there on the podcast for free, which the main show still is. But they have followed in the footsteps of Adventures and Odyssey, and they have their premium offering, a club, so to speak, which has extra bonus content. And that is something that you have to pay for to access all of that content. So the Voice of Prophecy ministry that runs Discovery Mountain, they are the closest that I've seen in this space who have been able to do this. And why I think this is interesting is, as Easy pointed out, back in the day when Adventures in Odyssey was starting, Radio was the way to get a show out there. That was what you what you did. But things have changed. Media consumption habits have changed. People have changed. And yes, a lot of people still listen to radio. But that's not necessarily the path to go these days. 
And I would like to see somebody go in this direction and say, okay, we're going to go into this podcast world with a high quality show and have a a good plan in place to make this a profitable business because it is possible. Gen Z is not the only one. There are other companies out there that are producing audio drama and releasing them as podcasts and are making a profit through advertising and sponsorship deals primarily. So it is possible. But here's the thing. The vast majority of the shows that are out there that are doing that are not of the quality that you and I as consumers of this high quality content like Lamplighter and Hinty and all of these shows from, you know, Focus on the Family Radio Theater and Adventures in Odyssey, they're not up to that standard of quality. And I would like to see somebody be able to break into this space and make it work. Um, so here's the thing. You can't just just do that willy-nilly. You have to have a plan and you have to work with a savvy marketer. You have to have somebody on your team who really knows and understands digital marketing and how to get this, this thing out there to the masses. They might buy ads on other shows. That works really, really well. And then you can work with brands to do partnerships and you know, they can underwrite the show and things like that. Um, I I do think that it would work best with a show that has a mass appeal and maybe not one that's very niche, though, you know, who knows? I, I would like to be proven wrong on that, but I, I do think it would take something that has a wider, broader appeal. I think a serialized story would work best because that pulls people in. If you, if you get them in that first episode and they're really loving what you're doing, they're going to want to keep coming back and keep coming back. So I think that would probably be the best plan. Like I I mentioned working with brands, but you know, there are creative and innovative partnerships that you could possibly do. Say that your story is set in a specific locale, perhaps, you know, work with the chamber of commerce in that area and, work with local businesses through them or maybe even the the visitors bureau or whatever in that place to maybe come on board as a sponsor or at least get you connected to places that fit into the story world or or something like that. I mean there are creative ways you could do this. Uh, press releases are important to get the word out. There are shows in the podcast world that share press releases about brand new shows. It happens. And there are even podcasts that just listen to trailers of new podcasts and, and review them and share, you know, so there's, there's ways to get the word out about a show. So I tried to do this with Greenhorn Tales. I had a lot of things in the works that I was going to do when we launched that show or I should say when we launched season one. However, life circumstances got in the way and we had some emergency things come up right when we were getting ready to launch. And I had to just, the, the episodes were already scheduled to release and I had to take care of family emergency stuff 
And so I missed out on the opportunity to capitalize on the the buzz around the show release. So I think it, I missed the boat with that. But I do think that it's possible to make this happen. I had conversations with the company that hosts all of the audio files for the entire network of shows for Porchlight Family Media. They were they were going to come alongside us to do some promotions and stuff. So there are ways to help grow a, an audio drama because people out there are looking for good audio drama shows to listen to. And so I do believe that this method could work in this time that we're living in where, where so many people are turning to podcasts for their entertainment, education, and information. There is a producer out there. I can't say anything about who it is and what they're working on, but they are working on this this uh, podcast distribution approach and things are looking good so far. So I'm really hopeful that they're going to be able to make this uh, a sustainable business. It remains to be seen at this point. Uh, but of course, once they start getting content out there, I will share when when that happens. But I do think they've got a good handle on things, got some really great people on their team. And, you know, I, I talked about you, you need to have a savvy marketer, but you also have to have a dedicated marketing budget. And that's one of the things that I think has fallen short in a lot of ways here. The few attempts that I have seen, including my own, uh, you know, a lot of times you have to have a marketing budget that is equal to the production budget. It just takes a lot of money, at least initially, to help build that initial audience. Once you get a certain fan base, then it really starts to grow exponentially because of word of mouth. But it's that first initial hurdle. And Eternal Future Productions is kind of going in that direction as well. They're releasing their shows as a podcast. Each season is split up into multiple shorter episodes or chapters, if you will. And then they offer the full season as a premium product, a a digital download or a CD. They have other bonus material like soundtracks for each season and things like that that you can purchase to support they're, I believe they're doing things right. Again, I'm, I don't have behind-the-scenes knowledge of their business, but they're working on putting that show out there, growing that fan base, and then converting those people who really enjoy the show over to paying customers with their premium products. So I know that not everybody is going to be interested in this kind of stuff, but it's been in my mind and and Roy and Andrew as well. We've had discussions about this for years now. And Easy, I know, is very passionate about this topic. And I do think that it is possible. It is going to take some upfront cost to get up and running to start paying for ads and other marketing materials and things like that at the beginning. So it's not going to be like a free thing that you can just put out of out of podcast and it's going to immediately grow. I mean, sometimes that does happen, but you have to be lucky. Honestly, that's just what it takes is some luck. And uh, with having a marketer and a marketing budget, those give you a much bigger chance of 
becoming a successful and sustainable business. So again, this segment is all about where I just share some things that are on my mind about the industry. And this is what I've been thinking about a lot. I really think this is possible. I really would like to see one of the larger producers try to tackle this. And I'm not saying, you know, Odyssey should start putting out their episodes for free as a podcast. They don't need to. They they don't need to build a new audience. They have a massive audience already. They are catering to their existing audience and they're doing other marketing efforts to grow it and continue to build it, but they don't need to do something like this. They have already arrived, so to speak. They don't need to do something like this with their show. Now, if Focus wanted to do a new show, a different show, I would be all for that. I think that would be a great thing. But, uh, you know, I, I would love to see Wise King Media continue with the show that they started, Mac Meets History. I think they had a really good thing started and they didn't do any, they didn't go any further with it. They put out two episodes, which were pretty good. And I think it could have gone somewhere, but they, for some reason, didn't continue to pursue that project. So I would like to see somebody really say, we're going to go all in on, on a podcast and do our very best to see if we can make this a sustainable thing. It's not going to take off immediately. It's going to take somebody who is going to be committed saying, you know, we're going to do this for six months or 12 months or 18 months and put our resources behind making this successful. And I do believe it can be. So I guess there are some of my thoughts on using the podcast model as a distribution point for building a following around an audio drama. If you have any thoughts on this, I would love to hear from you. Be sure to let me know what you think. And again, still looking for a name for this monologue segment. So I'm open to suggestions for that as well. Well, it is now time to move on to the review segment. We're gonna bring in Michael Schrader. You have heard him here on the show before. It's always a great time to talk with him. And this guy is a very knowledgeable. He is interesting to talk to. And he is, I am glad to say, he is also a friend. So let's go ahead and bring him on and talk about Jonathan Park. It's a murder mystery, sort of cross between William Shakespeare and Agatha Christie. No, it's not that I didn't like it. It's that it wasn't a good play. This will be one of the best shows we have ever done. Such an amusing show. Uh, what was that line you coined? I never knew acting could be so much fun. Michael, it's always a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for joining me for this review of Jonathan Park. Well, as probably everyone says, it's always a pleasure to be on the show, JD. <laughs> and I'm so glad to have joined you. Thank you for inviting me back. You're like the, the you're the Jonathan Park guy now, so you, I know apparently. So I don't know how I got this position of being the Jonathan Park guy. I don't know if their team uh, is happy about that or not, <laughs> but uh, I don't mind. I don't mind being the Jonathan Park guy. All right, well, let's talk about Jonathan Park series eighteen, the one true God, released in twenty twenty two, and it's only got a runtime of a little over three and a half hours, three hours and about thirty six minutes. 
So, would you do us the honors of uh, giving us the summary for this series? I sure will. I don't have a God I can put on a stand Or a God I hold in the palm of my hand I have a God that's holding me And I don't have a God that I can create In the place I live with the money I make I have a God, He made everything So I don't need a temporary man-made deity When I got the real thing I got the real thing He's the Lord of all the earth The maker of all things He alone is the one true God Immediately following an incredible reenactment of Elijah's showdown at Mount Carmel, the team has been set up for an unspeakable calamity. Dr. Kleiner's relentless determination to thwart their groundbreaking documentary intensifies at every turn. Kendall begins to wonder whether the team should continue with their mission, but after praying about it, their adventure continues. With a stronger resolve than ever, the team sets off to India, where Jonathan will be tested like never before. Little do they all know how their faithfulness will be used to accomplish greater things than anyone could have ever imagined, and all for God's glory. So this one is also written by Robert Liparulo, as as have been the last two series, and uh, directed by Nicole Franco, music by John Campbell, sound design by Oscar Corral, and Mark Rashi as our executive producer and producer. So our core crew team is, is staying the same on this album, which makes sense because this arc has been going on for the last three albums. I keep saying albums. I'm so sorry. They're the only ones that have to use the different <laughs> vernacular. This is a series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do that in every single one of these reviews. It just I, won't yeah. stick in my brain. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I will not get it either. So I'm <laughs> probably continue to call it the wrong thing. <laughs> but I'll try to get the vocabulary right. Yeah. So uh, this one literally picks up just right after. Like, I think it was only like moments after the, the last uh, right. series came to an end. Yeah, because the last one ended on a cliffhanger, and the first, um, at least the first episode was spent wrapping up that cliffhanger, basically. Right. Yeah, from No Other Gods. And so the story is, is it was a little bit strange because we have the, the four albums that make up this series. We have An Unexpected Power, Abundance of Caution, Heroes and Villains, and So Little Time. So what we'll start here at the at the very beginning, and it kind of felt a little bit like a, a just a rehash of what had happened in the previous episode in in the last mm-hmm. series, because we're still in the exact same place. They're still doing the reenactment of the whole Elijah on Mount Carmel story, but now they're just having different mishaps taking place. So, yeah, yeah it wasn't as compelling to me right yeah they they definitely were uh because the last one ended on such a cliffhanger and so obviously they needed to tie that up and i liked the way they tied it up but there was a lot of places in this one where i felt like it 
it dragged on a lot longer than necessary. <laughs> like it, the, um, yeah, things that it didn't, it wasn't very tight. I felt like it, it, they took a long time to move the story forward. Like, cause in that summary, the focus at the end of it was them going to India, which did not happen until the very end of the right. fourth album, you know? Right. Uh, and so they spent a long time uh, in the same place without the story really progressing. Yeah. And that first episode, it, it was probably the shortest episode in Jonathan Park history. It was like 11 minutes. Mm. Very strange. Um, a lot of these were short, weren't they? Like, a lot they, of these. I feel like a lot of times they're not only, a lot of these were only like 13, 15 yep. you know, minutes. It wasn't until the last three-parter, the last album, So Little Time, where we actually got you know, your typical 25, 24 minute sort of episodes that, you know, like an Odyssey episode, you know, they call them a half an hour shows, at least Odyssey does, you know, they're never an actual half an hour. Um, right. But the old Jonathan Park or classic Jonathan Park, whatever you want to call them, they were standardized. They were always 25 minutes, 58 seconds. So basically a 26 minute episode. Now, I don't necessarily have a problem with them not having standardized, you know, episode lengths. Right. But if they're not putting them on the radio or whatever, mm-hmm. they're just digital. Then. But that just seemed really, really short for that first episode. And that that episode was only two scenes. Huh. Really? Yeah, that, ver- that first one, you know. The first one was only two scenes. It was very it's, – it's very strange. I mean, it, it felt like it, sh- it should have – I don't know. As you said, it didn't progress the story all that much. And it was so tied into what was happening the last time. I don't know. Maybe they should. Maybe they should have gone a different direction, rather than just having them play the the roles of these of these Bible characters again. Like they had just done that. I don't right. know. Um, well, and yeah, and I like I liked the way that they wrapped it up. Like I liked the the ending of the cliffhanger. I remember thinking at the end of the last one, like this is you know, pretty impossible circumstances. And I'm, I'm curious to see how they're going to uh, get them out of it. Uh, and yet it, it seems like you're not going to listen to this one unless you've listened to the other one, but they did spend a lot of time re-explaining what had happened and going through that scene again. So I'll just say this. The first half of this series felt like it was very slow moving. Yeah. And there just wasn't a whole lot happening. Now, that's not to say there weren't some great lines throughout right. that, because we do have some really fun and colorful characters. Uh, so there were definitely some moments that still stood out to me and that I enjoyed. But overall, the the first half or so um, just uh, kind of crawled for, for me. Yeah. And the there was a lot of scenes with Dr. Kleiner and Cecil talking. And uh, there was a lot of repetition and a lot of humor in those scenes. There was a lot of dialogue that there were there were times where I was thinking in some of those scenes. Like, and I, I, I don't know if it's just because like those characters are really cartoony, if that makes sense. Like, and I, I don't know if that's due to the writing or the actors playing them, but um, they felt like you know, the kind of bad guys that you'd have in a, like a kid show, you know, which I guess this is, (laughs) but yeah, there was a, like, I appreciated like Cecil calling out Dr. Kleiner a couple times on his inconsistency with his belief. Yeah. But they did that several times uh, where it did feel repetitive and 
And some of the jokes, and it might just be because I'm older, but some of the jokes weren't really landing with me in those scenes because they were they were very goofy, you know. But yeah, I had that exact same word in my notes: cartoony. Mm. This is exactly what I wrote. It all just felt very cartoony, mm-hmm. and. That's not typically how Jonathan Park has been. There have been characters that have been funny, have that one or two that is providing this comic relief sort of thing. But this was very over the top, especially Cecil. And and just in the the way that uh, Kleiner interacts with him as well, they're they're almost like bickering kind of thing. So it did feel like it's not necessarily – the right approach for this series, which has not really done that traditionally and feels like it's at, it's aimed at a little bit more of a mature audience. Not, not that it's aimed at adults or necessarily even at teenagers, but it feels like that it's always been fairly, oh, I don't know what the right word is. Just not even as juvenile as some, some of the Odyssey comedy episodes even. Right. Um, So that it just felt a little bit off to me with how, how much um, just really cheesy a comedy there was. Yeah. I I hate to say it in that way, but that's just, um, I don't know. That's just the way it came across to me. And there were parts that made me laugh, but there were also parts that made me cringe. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) To be honest. And, And Dr. Kleiner is a very interesting villain that I'm not sure how to parse because all those scenes are inviting you to laugh at them, but he he is doing some very evil things. Sure. Which makes makes him dangerous, but he doesn't seem like he has a plan, really. <laughs> like, he's just off the cuff and things that he'll do, and then uh, he'll have opportunity to do the same thing again, and he doesn't. And I, I'm having a hard time peg this character, and especially, like, he's a professor that believes in omnism, right? And, uh, I would call this like an inconsistency, except I think there are genuinely people who believe th- this way where all religions are equal. So we have to stop Christianity. <laughs> you know, this is kind of his, uh, his line. And uh, like I said, Cecil called him out on that a couple of times. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so as I was listening, I'm, I'm in my head, I'm a little bit like, you know, Dr. Kleiner, do you not see how, uh, how inconsistent that is? Like that is so like blatantly inconsistent, but then I, I've talked with people that are frankly like very inconsistent in that. Like maybe they're not trying to like kill people, but, but right. they're they're They do have that like um, vitriol against Christians and against Christianity. They feel like it has to be stopped and it would be better if all Christians were gone. And they're talking about how much they hate Christians because they're not loving enough, you know? And so, uh, so part of me is like, well, maybe this is just showing how inconsistent that is. But, um, but it, the motivations don't make sense to me. Which I guess is good, but I don't I don't want those kind of motivations to make sense to me. And it's not necessarily a, a problem with the actors or their performance. This is a, I think it's a script and possibly a, a directing issue. I mean, I don't I don't have a problem with the the actors. They they all did a fantastic job, and yeah. Kleiner, his performance was was fantastic. And um, so in the last review of this of this uh, show, No Other Gods, the credit we had for Dr. Kleiner was Josh Murray. This time we were given the name of Kevin Ivey for this character. 
I think one of those is incorrect because the voice still sounded the same to me. So I'm not sure 100% who actually voiced his character, but he does a great job. So I'm not I'm not uh, complaining about that at all. Yeah, and the actor who plays Cecil does a good job at playing a goofy henchman. Like he's yeah. very and he even just uh the way that he talks, like he has these little uh quirks and stuff and and he definitely does a good job. He's a very got a very memorable distinct voice, you know. But uh yeah, there were just times where the the scene, like the dialogue kept going and I was ready to get on to the next scene. <laughs> I mean, speaking of Cecil, like there was a that one time where he, he's, you know, they're all concerned that they're going to get caught for what they'd been doing and going to get thrown in jail. And, and then Cecil says, hey, maybe they'll put us in the same cell. It'll be like a sleepover. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Kleiner says... I'd rather get the death penalty or whatever. <laughs> I was like, sheesh. <laughs> yeah, he was very, uh, um, there was a point where he's talking to another henchman that messed up. And he's like, oh, I feel like I'm talking to Cecil. Uh, yeah. But he needs Cecil. <laughs> he can't even climb the stairs of that monastery without getting winded. So he needs Cecil. <laughs> yeah. And there were, like I said, there were some lines that made me laugh uh, in those scenes, you know. For sure. And the the Deus Ex Machina uh, reference was pretty cool. I enjoyed that little discussion. I I enjoyed that they drew drew attention to it. Yeah. You know, because sometimes people think any kind of supernatural deliverance is sloppy writing. And that's not true. Yeah. There's... It it depends on if it fits in with the story or not. So... And I enjoyed them referencing Lord of the Rings. Yeah, exactly. Tolkien called that a catastrophe. So... Yeah. And that's like a famous... The eagle's problem in yeah, Lord of yeah. the Rings, and so that they just took took it head on. I'm like, yes, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because uh, there's a, there's a lot more going on there than just the like the old Greek thing with the god descending on the crane or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, I liked the the XX Machina, and and throughout the scenes, there were like good. There was good conversations, and there was good teaching moments. You know, uh, but one thing that did I was thinking about is. With Jonathan Park, like the thing, Jonathan Park's niche, I guess, uh, the thing that like sets it apart from other audio dramas is their focus on apologetics, right? Wouldn't you say that's kind of their thing? Mm-hmm. Like Lamplighter has, you know, the classic old stories. Character uh, building are, stories. Character building stories, yeah. And then like uh, the G.A. Henty uh, stories are focused on history and key moments in history. And then Jonathan Park, it's, you know, been on apologetics. So dealing with creation and evolution and dealing with archaeology and, you know, mm-hmm. the Egyptian stuff. And and so, and I, I really enjoy that part of it. And uh, but this particular series seemed like it took a long time to get to any of the apologetic stuff. Like the the story, it was like there was a lot of um, dangerous situations that didn't seem like they were furthering that that goal of teaching mm-hmm. those themes because you know, the understanding that I had going into it when I started listening because of this documentary is that they were going to address several different religions and religious beliefs in each, you know, series as they're going through this arc. And I was a little surprised that they didn't get to any of those until, you know, halfway through, like halfway through the whole series. Yeah. Well, more than halfway through. Cause I was listening and I, I remember, I remember thinking, you know, Hey, they haven't really, just, I don't even know what they're doing with the documentary right now. And I guess it was just like the day after all this had happened. 
then I looked at how far we were into it and I realized we were already on the third album, Heroes and Villains. And I was wondering like, oh, when are we <laughs> are we going anywhere else? Or, you know, are we just staying here? I think some of the conversations and stuff that happened and some of the dangerous circumstances, I think they could have been compressed a little um, as they were moving on to their next destination or as they were doing something more with the documentary. Um, and maybe I'm asking too much there, but. Well, yeah, because it, it, we only really addressed two different religious persuasions, if you want to call them yeah. that. We had the Baha'i, Baha'i, Baha'i mm-hmm. or Baha'i, I forget how you pronounce it. Yeah, I think, it, uh, they, I think they said Baha'i. Which was addressed in the third album, and then in the fourth one, we get to Buddhism a little bit. And they're, they are touched on a little bit, and there were some interesting points about each, yeah. but the first two albums were still, were still just kind of, it feels like they're, they're on a treadmill, like just running, yeah. and they're doing stuff, but nothing, they're not going anywhere. Yeah, there was no moving the story forward. Even when Isaac gets, he almost gets kidnapped, but then he doesn't. And so that was it. <laughs> like there was a huge action scene and then nothing came of that. And we we're moving on and we're eating our, you know, tahini or whatever it was, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and uh, there was several moments like that where like a big, like exciting scene that didn't progress the story forward at all. And so that was a little disappointing. Yeah. And just to show one example of like the inconsistency of the character of, of Dr. Kleiner, you know, in the first part, you know, he he's willing to kill them all with this fire, from you know, and mm-hmm. and he's not he doesn't care, you know, and there's there's innocent people there that Cecil's trying to kind of talk him out of it a little bit, and he's just like, no, this is what I'm going to do, and then you know, obviously they're the main characters, so nothing really does happen to them. I should have said spoiler alert, but I should have said spoiler alert. I was not getting kidnapped. (laughs) (laughs) But then just a little while later, he finds them all alone and unconscious in their hotel room. And all he does is steal their phones. Yeah. And I'm like, I know. And they did try to address that saying that, oh, well, this would be more obvious and he didn't want to get caught. But somebody that's willing to go to those kind of lengths. Yeah, to do the stuff that he's already been doing, and then, and ju- and even just like what what is his goal? You know, I know he wants to stop the documentary, but but it, at the beginning it seemed like he's just targeting Doctor Brady, right? Uh, because Cecil says, "Well, what about these kids?" And he's kind of like, "Well, collateral damage." But then later on, Doctor Brady's still at the hotel, and the kids leave, and they follow the kids. And I'm like, "What are you so?" What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what, what's your plan here? Where do you, you know, he was very, make, he was making it up off the cuff, but he is spending a lot of money traveling all around the world to just be making stuff up off the cuff of this. Yeah. Yeah. Very seat of the pants kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, I, you know, I understand like the goofy henchmen just doing stuff randomly and stuff, but it seems if, I don't know, he wasn't a very like convincing villain because if he, if he's really putting this much effort into stopping it, he lost a lot of opportunities. He made a lot of odd mistakes, you know? Yeah. It, uh, that, that aspect of it just didn't feel very believable to me, but you know, again, there were some fun moments throughout it and there were some lines like the whole Mario Kart slash Mario Andretti (laughs) stuff that I thought that was pretty funny. Um, however, what this whole ice cream thing, he, he mentioned, 
pumpernickel ice cream? Like what? <laughs> pumpernickel ice cream. And it wasn't even like he was mentioning it as if it's a real flavor that people enjoy. And I'm like, I have never heard of that. That doesn't make any sense to me at all. <laughs> was that an error? Was he meaning pistachio or to me at all? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about uh, Billy the Catfish either. Like, I do not know or whatever the catfish's <laughs> name was. I don't know what was going on there and how casual he was about eating them later. <laughs> <laughs> that was a pretty funny line. Yeah. But yeah, again, like I said, like with some of the discussions, uh, they did talk about in this first half, you know, they talked about the Elijah solution and that, they had that discussion about the still small voice. Yeah. And, I- um, I did really like that. I thought that was because I, I I think the last one of the last albums in in the previous series was called the Elijah Solution, right, or something like that. The last uh, the last album of No Other Gods was called the Elijah Solution. Oh, okay, it was yeah. So and they but they didn't explain what the Elijah Mm-mm. Solution was. Um, I thought it was calling down fire from heaven at the time, but uh, they they went into it in this part, and I really liked the way that they drew out that concept of the still small voice and about reaching people and. Uh, I so I thought that was a cool discussion. Yeah, and that line I think that Jesse was the one who read it. She read that line from Doctor Brady's notes, and it was mm-hmm. not with shows of power, but with silence made audible. Mm. And that was a good line. Yeah, we should also mention real quickly that uh, we have our our main cast members returning. So Sarah Prentice as Jesse Brennan. Jesse Abiel as Jonathan Park, Joseph Narducci as Kendall Park, and um, Austin Myers as Isaac. And they've been doing these roles for quite a while now, and so they they feel very locked in. Like, they're, they're naturals. Mm-hmm. They, they they bring the characters to life really well. And, I yeah, I do love this cast and these characters. I think they do a great job with their characters. Yes. And I really like the actress who played Noah, too. I think I said that in the last one. But yeah. I, Mackenzie I, I Harris. I love her voice. She's great. Yeah. <laughs> there was a, a moment. Cecil is talking to a, a monk, Brother Simon. And I think it was Brother Simon, right? Was that? Yeah. Yeah, because he accidentally calls him Brother Simple. So <laughs> yeah. I he was Brother Simon. And uh, so Brother Simon is explaining his robe or whatever. And he says, it's a habit. Our order has worn the same design for centuries. And Cecil's like, yeah, I know habits are hard to break. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the best jokes. I really liked that one. Yeah, yeah. it's a habit. I know habits are hard to break. <laughs> yeah. There was, yeah, there was other parts in that scene that I was, they had like real scary music when he walked up and, you know, the whole Grim Reaper thing. And I, I was like, oh, man. But then he started talking about that. And, and I was like, okay, Cecil, you're hilarious. Yeah, that was a pretty good. And there were a few other lines throughout that were like referencing animals, which were, and I can't remember. I think they were, I, I can't remember now. I was thinking it was um, Isaac both times, but I'm not sure. But he says something about somebody driving like a caffeinated chihuahua. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then the other one was something about moving as slow as geriatric sloths. <laughs> yeah. I liked, uh, yeah, there was two shakes of a baboon's tail. That's not a normal oh, yeah. phrase. <laughs> yeah, they had a lot of uh, animal metaphors. Yeah. So I thought those were fun. Yeah. There was some jokes that I chuckled at, but then they got a little over-explained. And maybe that's just like 
you know, the character or whatever. But like when he said, not my cup of tea, I like laughed. And then he kept explaining it. Oh, yeah. Okay, I got it. I got it. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) But I really, I did like when he said three words, mind blown. (laughs) And and he's like, that's two words. He's he's like, well, I was counting the. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, some of those little fun lines, like I don't have a problem with those. Right, right. But it's just some of the things were really over the top and just kind of really goofy. I'll tell you what was over the top was Dr. Kleiner's driving. Like, his driving scenes were yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I do not know what was going on there, but that was unnecessary. So, as we mentioned, it's it's not until the third album, which is called Heroes and Villains, where we finally start to get into some meat. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we have that discussion on the Baha'i beliefs. And that was... I found that part interesting, and they always do a good job when they do that kind of stuff. Um, but for some reason, it just seemed like it, it, it took a while yeah. to get there. And I did enjoy – I learned some stuff about the Baha'i faith that I didn't know mm-hmm. uh, because I actually thought Baha'i was more like omnism. Like that's – in my head, that's what it was. And they showed some of the distinctions between those two. There was this guy at a coffee shop I used to go to, and he would sit there with uh, some Baha'i cards – and I talked to him a couple times, but he was very peaceable. He he never argued with me, so I, I, I never really knew what he believed that was different. <laughs> so the um, there's this group of thugs that Kleiner has set on them, and there was this uh, this really weird thing. One of them kept howling. What was with that? That was so strange to me. Did you pick up on that? Yeah, I mean, it was because their gang was called the Beasts, and his name was Wolf. Like when they introduced themselves, they introduced themselves with animal names in Hebrew or something. And so, but it was an over the top thing. And the train scene was so long when they're going to attack them, but they wait for an entire episode and just yell back and forth and just keep threatening to attack them. And all these things happen in that episode uh, or not like nothing really happens in that episode, but they keep you know, trying to talk them out of it. And it, it lasted so long. And it, that, and I was like, you know, if, Hey, just attack <laughs> Let's yeah. get the show on the road, you know, because I don't know if they were scared, <laughs> but they, they, there was a lot of back and forth before anything happened. Yeah. Yeah. That could have been condensed way, way down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But once we do get to that, discussion about the Baha'i believers and, and all their kind of what they think about and how they approach th- their their religion and stuff. That's when it, I think it started to actually pick up yeah. for me. And the rest, me the rest of the series did kind of move along. Um, and then it was right after that, that we'd get a really nice discussion on how to approach witnessing with different people and, and, yeah. and thinking about where they're coming from. Because you 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 do have to be cognizant of where where they're coming from to be able to relate and and share something that will actually make sense to them it's not like you can just you know start off with the same line with everybody and it's going to yeah. resonate right yeah i thought a lot of the things that jonathan was talking about with his dad and dr brady in as they were walking through those gardens at the those behind mm-hmm. gardens i thought that was really uh some really good wisdom in there although i started having a lot of trouble tailing uh, Dr. Park and Dr. Brady apart. I don't know if that was just me because 
because usually I feel like I can tell them apart, but in that scene, I was never sure who was talking unless he said son. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's his dad. <laughs> well, Brady had this one line that I'm like, oh, dude, I got to write that down because it was just really, I, I, you know, I've been born and raised in church, so it's not like I haven't heard similar things like this before, but when it's put in a certain way that you're just like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, I, I love those moments. Mm. And um, he said, it's often easier to tell a complete stranger about the gospel than someone you have a relationship with. Yeah. Just be careful not to let your desire to be accepted keep you from boldly presenting the good news. Oh, I like that line too. That's really good. And then uh, I can't remember if it was Brady or if it was Kendall a little bit later, but one of them said a line that I've heard ever since I was a kid. My dad said it all the time. People don't care how much you know unless they know how much you care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I liked how they, you could really tell the characters were struggling with like how, how likable <laughs> these uh, young people in the Baha'i faith were. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is hard when sometimes when somebody just seems so nice and they don't seem like they're looking for anything, you know, it's one thing to tell somebody who's going through a really hard time, you know, you need Jesus, but it's another thing if somebody just seems completely contented and they don't feel like anything's wrong with their life, you know, and mm-hmm. they drew attention to that. And I thought that was really good. Yeah. And uh, th- those characters, Omera was the girl and um, great performance, great acting. And I, and I hate that I've had so many critiques and negative things to say about this series. But uh, one thing that I did notice was her audio was really subpar. Oh, there were scenes, you know, they're, they're outside and things, and there's this reverberation happening in her audio. And that kind of pulled me out a, a little bit. So I don't know what was going on there, but she was the only one that I noticed in this whole series that had that issue. And it was in every scene that she was in, but hmm. I know yeah, that they are- trained ear of JD, because <laughs> I did not notice that at all. Well, that's good then, I guess. Uh, I, I know that they've gone to 100% remote recording uh, a, a while back. Oh. Uh, so everybody's recording independently. They don't go into a studio together like they used to. So that's, uh, I guess that's a result of that. Do they record at the same time or are they- Yeah, they do have directed there? sessions and uh, okay. all of the actors who are in scenes together, you know, they're all recording simultaneously or online. Yeah, that would be so hard to go in and record your lines and like reactions and stuff without uh, being in the session where everybody was because uh, you, I it seemed like they were together, you know, yeah. listening to it. Like they're reacting to each other and the other people's tones and stuff like that. Yep. And kudos to them for doing that because a lot of producers these days, when they when they're not recording in person altogether they don't bother to do directed sessions with the, with everybody a lot of times. And so people are, they, they're recording wild as it's called. Wow. And so everybody's just recording on their own. And most of the, the productions that I've worked on as an actor, that's how they're done. Wow. Uh, so it is good that they do that because you do, like you mentioned, you do get that, the play uh, off of each other. And you know, so that works really well, but that was just an audio issue that that I I did notice and and uh, it kind of pulled me out for a minute, but not a not a huge thing. And if and you know if you didn't even pick up on it, that's that's a good thing that most people aren't as as picky as I am, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a good note for them to know for the future if um, you know this reverberation. 
On a lighter note, that dish that Jonathan was describing, I couldn't tell for sure what he was saying. It was like tatim or something like that. Yeah. And I tried Googling that and like spelling it all different ways. I couldn't find anything, but I'm like, man, that sounds so good. I, I need to find a place where I can try that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I've never even heard of that before. Yeah, I hadn't either. So, and that is one thing that I do like about Robert Liparulo's writing. I've read a lot of his novels and he's a fantastic writer. And of course he's written yeah. for other shows and I've always enjoyed his scripts there, but he always works in these uh, references, whether it's pop culture or literature right. or things like that. And I always learn something, not just like the apologetic stuff, but just little references like this. He does his research and I do like that, yes, you know, yeah. mentioning the types of foods and things that, that you will find in these different places that they're visiting. So that was cool. I just wish I would have been able to figure out what that was so I could look it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I enjoy his writing too. I, I've read some of his novels as well. And, uh, there, yeah, they do have that. And he even like the Lord of the Rings reference to and like the Deix Ex Machina stuff. Yeah. I I was like, oh, there's Robert Liverpool. I can tell, <laughs> you know, he's uh, he's referencing some things. And speaking of Lord of the Rings, Jonathan had a great Gandalf. Well, a great Ian McKellen impression <laughs> when oh. they were looking at that statue of Elijah or whatever. And he said it reminded him of Gandalf. And I was like, wow, that was that was oh, spot the on. <laughs> You shall not pass line. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> That was funny. So, you know, it, it was very slow getting going, but once we get to this uh, this third album and then on into the last one, So Little Time, there were some really good things. Um, there was a great conversation between Noah and Isaac. I thought it was really good talking about relationships being grounded in truth. So this was kind of a another holdover from the last series where we saw him kind of embellishing some things to her to impress her. And, you know, Jonathan takes him to task, you know, uh, <laughs> about this. But I did think that was really good how that played out. And she's like, you know, yeah. you know, I, I am interested in you as a person, but you can't, you can't be talking like this. You can't be saying things that are not true and, and expect me to be able to, us to be able to build anything on that. And I thought it was great. Yeah. One of her lines in that conversation that I really liked was, you don't have to make up stories or embellish stories. I can't remember exactly how she said it to impress girls. And then she said, well, not this girl and not girls who love God. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I really like the way she put that. And that's, that's, you know, that's a good character building lesson for people, yeah. uh, young people, especially to understand, you know, that uh, yeah, a relationship that's founded on, a, on lies at the beginning is not going to go anywhere. Good. Yeah. And then in the second episode of this uh, fourth album, that's when we start to get into the the Buddhism stuff, and then they they go to India, and uh, so that was interesting stuff as well. I mean, a lot of that stuff I was already familiar with, but you know they're doing what they do and and teaching those those principles so that people understand, um, and and I I did enjoy that part. Yeah, I did too. I did think it was odd that they chartered a private jet and did not tell the pilot where they were going until they were all inside. I feel yes. like some preparations might have been necessary. You know, I did think about to, that too. To have the right amount of fuel, maybe, to, to communicate with the tower. I don't know. I don't know what's all involved, but it seems like you would need to know, let the pilot know the destination ahead of time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I did kind of think that the whole Krav Maga stuff was kind of interesting too. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I like that. 
that, that character of Ramis was really interesting. And I did like how Jonathan, and, well, I guess all of them really, really uh, um, connected with them. They, they really enjoyed them, their company. They liked them, not just because they, <laughs> they saved them or whatever, but uh, I, I did like yeah. that part. Yeah. And I thought that was, it was really interesting. The, when that conversation that Jesse and Stell had and Stell is like crying mm. over them because they're lost um, and she cares about them so much. And uh, I actually thought that was a really great scene as a reminder that that should bother us, you know? Yeah. And I like how they, they didn't shy away from the fact that, you know, not everybody who doesn't believe the gospel is just this horrible person, you know, trying to kill people with flame cannons, but <laughs> also they didn't shy away from the fact that they do need to believe the gospel. Ultimately, you know, there does yeah. need to be a response and, yeah, I, I like the way that they drew attention to that. And it was sobering also just think because we can't dwell in that place all the time or we wouldn't be able to function, you know, but there should be that heartache that drives us to evangelize, that drives us to share the gospel. And I, I think that is important. And, and I like that that scene drew attention to that. Yeah, exactly. And it, it made me think one of my favorite CCM songs of all time is uh, by Scott Crepain, and it's called What Breaks Your Heart. Oh, and yeah. uh, do you know, are you familiar with that one? No, but I like the title. <laughs> and it's it's him basically talking to God saying, what breaks your heart? What makes yeah. you cry? What would I see if I looked through your eyes? Wow, yeah. I want to grow closer and closer to you till what breaks your heart will break mine too. Yeah, yeah. And Yeah, that's beautiful. I it's it's that. absolutely beautiful. Look it up. If if you haven't heard it, check it out. It's a fantastic song, but that's what was running through my mind during that that mm. scene there. And it's not just talking about, you know, feeling like compassion. Jesus had compassion on the multitude because yeah. he knew what they were going through. So it's not just about salvation for people, but also just feeling compassion on people who are going through hard times or or whatever yeah. it might be. But yeah, so that that scene with Stell was fantastic. Rachel Corral yeah. Just just nailed that. It was it was a very very powerful performance. Yeah, and it was a good reminder that Stell is still a pretty uh new Christian, you know, right. she's like wrestling through some of these concepts for the first time. And uh and I like that they're using her in that way. And uh she did a great job in that scene. Exactly. Yeah. And uh I should say Ramis was voiced by Nato Jacobson. And he's just, uh, he's fantastic. Like, he, he played multiple characters in, in this series, and uh, I always like hearing Nato. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I did, it did seem like Stell was a lot more highlighted in this one than Jesse. And I thought it was interesting how many scenes there were with Jonathan and Stell, where, well, I don't know if this is true or not, but there was places where it seemed like it would have been Jesse doing what Stell was doing. Mm. Um, but there was a lot of scenes with like Jonathan and Stell together. And it seemed like before they were highlighting scenes with Jonathan and Jesse together, but in this, uh, series, you know, on the train at the temple, there was like a lot of places where it was those two. And I, I don't know exactly why that decision was made or if it matters, but, um, it was just something that I noticed. Yeah, that is, that is true. I didn't pick up on that, but maybe it was, uh, giving Jesse a rest after she almost died in the last one. <laughs> Or was that all right? Let's put a different character in danger for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe so. <laughs> she has to recover. Yeah, but uh, 
I haven't talked too much. Actually, I don't think we've mentioned it at all, really, uh, about the music. And that's just because it, it it really just fit well through all throughout so far. The music was really good. But it it really did stand out to me during uh, Jonathan's confrontation with Dr. Kleiner. It was oh, very yeah. subtle. They're outside. They're up on this scaffolding. And then it starts raining. And so you have this all this sound going on. But So the music was, was very subtle, but it fit perfectly. And I think John Campbell just really did a good job with that scene in particular. Yeah. Yeah. I di- and I, I didn't even notice the music, you know, in particular in that scene, but that, that scene was like very well done emotionally and everything. And so, so yeah, the music played a part in my uh, reception of that scene. That was really good. I, I did notice one place where, where one musical cue, and I don't remember which episode it was in particularly, but I expected to hear Chris talking at the end of it because it must have been used at the end of some Odyssey or something or something similar, like a similar sound. Yeah. And uh, and so I was like, oh, I bet this is John Campbell because I hadn't looked at who did the music. But yeah. uh, Yeah. But anyways, back to that scene with up on the scaffolding. Yeah. there, And I want to give it all away, you know, because it does lead into the the ending of the album and everything. But there is a, a clip that they have that it was actually the the sample that the teaser that they have up on the website. So oh, I thought wow. this is a perfect spot to to drop it in. We usually do this at the top of the review, but it fits in right here because we we're just talking about this. So let's give a listen to a part of that scene where Jonathan is confronting Dr. Kleiner. You want truth? Then please stop kidding yourself about which God fits your idea of what he should be. Turn to the one true God who loves you so much that he was willing to send his son to die for you. Bravo, kid. Nice speech. Too bad it's the same rhetorical nonsense you people have been spouting for 2,000 years. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to get out of this rain. Mr. Kleiner. Out of my way. Young lady, I said move. You can hear the music there. It's kind of building and really getting really tense and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a really great scene. And then after that scene, then Jonathan had this line. I think he was talking to, now I can't remember. I can't remember if he was talking to his dad or somebody else, but he said, it's hard to plant seeds and not be around to see them grow. Mm. And I thought, oh yeah, that's a good one. 
that kind of seemed like a theme throughout the whole series. Once I went back and I was listening again the second time through, I was kind of picking up on that theme of planting seeds, whether there's immediate fruit or not, whether you see them grow or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is an important aspect of evangelism. Yeah. So do you have any final thoughts on any particular scenes or lines that you wanted to point out? No, I just, uh, I did, I did like the ending and I liked the last half of this series a lot better than the first half. Um, mm-hmm. I found myself as the, the later part when they're in India and all that. And, and that final scene with Dr. Kleiner and the stuff that happens afterwards. I, I really enjoyed all of that. So I know I probably, it's, I probably came across very critical in this, uh, review in the begin on the top half, you know? But um, I don't want to detract from any of the really good elements of this. I'm addressing certain things that maybe didn't sit right with me, but there was a lot of a lot of really great uh, storytelling, a lot of great acting, mm-hmm. the music, the sound design was really great. So there was definitely a lot of parts of this that I really enjoyed in the in the in the last part, particular the last half. Yeah. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. Like I said, it took a while for things to get rolling, but it seemed and it seemed like everything happened in the last six episodes, um, mm. and that's where I really kind of be- started getting engaged in it because I was, I just wasn't into really the first six episodes or so. It just I don't know. Uh, yeah, because there was a, some conversations and lines and stuff that I really enjoyed in those first six episodes, but I would have liked to spend more time in India. <laughs> and yeah. I think at the end, they're like leaving already. Mm-hmm. And uh, they weren't there for that. I mean, they were there for that week or whatever, but we don't hear them there for that long. And, yeah. um, and I think a lot of the conversations and stuff that happened could have happened as they're on their way to the next destination or, you know, they, there could have been some condensing, I think yeah. at the beginning. Which is interesting because, uh, you know, we talked about how there was, a, there was things, you know, there were things happening, but not progression but these right, were very right. short episodes. Yeah. And so yeah. we're talking about how they could condense, but they were already very short. So I don't really know what the solution is here because this is the shortest uh, series in Jonathan Park history, if my calculations really? are correct. Three hours, 35 minutes. They're typically over four hours, at least. Series 15 was four hours, 35. 16 was four hours, 45. 17 was three hours 51. So this one at 335, it's, it's very, very short. And again, we had that one episode that was like 11 minutes. So, right. Well, I think what I'm feeling, what I'm putting my finger on is just that it could have been tighter because, you know, when I listen to a story, I'm not, it's not so much about the length of that. The story is, but it's that the story is progressing and moving forward. And sure. So I'm not saying that it should have been shorter necessarily, but there was definitely, places where um it it, when i i've noticed this in my own writing when i write things especially like when i'm writing off the top of my head by the seat of my pants or whatever you know you know i'm playing around with it a lot of times and my dialogue goes really long um unnecessarily (laughs) you know and so that's kind of how i i recognize like some of my own writing Uh, and especially when i was doing like uh working on a series that you know, each part is supposed to end with a cliffhanger. And so then you have to tie up the cliffhanger in the next episode and also move it forward. And uh, it's hard to do that sometimes. And so I, I'm not trying to be like overly critical of the writing, but there was, I just um, think that 
not condensing in the sense of making it shorter, but condensing it in the sense of um, making it tighter. If that makes sense. you know, do you understand what I'm saying by that? Yeah, I don't know if yeah. I'm making clear. Yeah, it's just a uh, the it didn't it didn't click with me this this series. I I I, I just uh, say it the way I, I I see it and feel it. I I don't want to be overly critical, and I, I I really feel bad whenever I do give a, a an overly negative review of something. But this was my least favorite Jonathan Park series ever. And this is my opinion, you know, you're f- free to disagree with me, but I think it might be the weakest one uh, in the show. Um, but that's the interesting thing is, again, this is my opinion. The reviews on the website don't seem to mesh with that. So um, oh. on on this series, every single one was five stars. I mean, there's not a, a huge amount of them, but all of them were positive. Uh, so, you know, you know, take, take my uh, thoughts with a, with a grain of salt, but I always strive to, I don't want to be fake. I want to be authentic with in my opinions. And, uh, so that's, that was my take on this series as a whole. Um, overall the, the acting was fantastic. I, like, again, I don't have any issues with the acting, the, the sound design, the music was all great. The sound design by Oscar Corral, uh, it sounded fantastic. I, I didn't have any issues with that, those elements of this at all. Uh, so I think it was, um, it came down to the scripting and maybe, I, I, I alluded to this earlier, but I didn't clarify what I meant. I said maybe a, a directing issue and in that, in that is just maybe not having the, the villains be so cartoony and that could that could come through the director's um, instructions to, to the actors, how they interpreted the character. So obviously, you know, the lines are the lines. You, they are what they are. You can't like, I guess they could have changed them, but I don't know. It, it, again, I'm not sure what the, what it is overall that just was uh, not resonating with me, but um, I'm hopeful because our next series weapons of our warfare takes the team to Scotland and it sounds like it's a, a fantastic series. That one sounds really interesting. The whole premise is going to be about the armor of God. And so that sounds interesting. And then the next one after that, this, it's called Sound the Alarm. It'll have them right back here in the USA, at, you know, at home in New Mexico, which is something that I've been wanting for the last little while because I, I, I do like those whenever they're just not trotting all over the globe and <laughs> just getting to have some interactions with people, you know, right here in the, in the U S. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at with this one. So are they starting like a new arc in the next one or is, are they still doing the documentary or, cause I mean, it seems like they're still working on the documentary, but they did tie things up. They didn't leave this one on a cliffhanger. You know, they, they mm-hmm. tied it up in a, yeah, it seems to be moving on from what I read about it. So, oh, okay. Well, cool. So, Jonathan Park team, if you're listening, I, I do apologize <laughs> if this came across as as too critical. JD already let me know he's going to uh, get somebody else to review Jonathan Park the next <laughs> one because I was <laughs> oh. overly... Uh... No, not true. You know, it's just, uh, you know, sometimes they, they're, they're not all going to resonate with everybody, and I guess that's okay. I mean, it's not the first time I've had, you know, less than glowing opinions about an audio drama and uh we still hear about one of <laughs> one of the reviews that we did a few years back that uh you know people disagreed with and and we still hear about it so you know f- you're free to disagree that's that's totally fine uh, i'm i'm definitely open to hearing from you <laughs> if you want to send in feedback 
now I'm all curious about the bad review that <laughs> you still hear about. Oh, well, Michael, thank you. I, I do appreciate this. It's always fun to discuss this stuff, you know? Yes. Yeah. And again, there were great moments in this oh, yeah. series and some wonderful lines that really get you thinking. And, you know, if you've listened to this show for any length of time, you've probably picked up on this. And if I haven't said it explicitly, I do look for those little nuggets in anything that I'm consuming. I, and when I'm reading a book, I'm doing the same thing. Even if it is fiction, I'm looking for those little things to pull out that I can, you know, take to heart, learn from. Um, I just think it makes you a, a better, well-rounded person just to to learn from things. And um, so I'm always on the lookout for little things to pull out. And, and you know, there were some lines that I've written down that I will remember. So, yeah, I really enjoyed listening to it. And, you know, I would, I think that it's worth listening to, you know, I think mm. that people should buy this album and, or the series and listen to it. And I, I, I love what Jonathan Park does as a whole. I love that there's an audio drama that addresses apologetic and evangelism issues. Yeah. And uh, I think I think that's an awesome thing and something that's needed. And uh, and I, I appreciate the heart behind Jonathan Park. I, I think that they they do a really great job yeah. um, addressing some really tough issues. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And if you haven't heard this series and you want to check it out, there is a link in the show notes, uh, as always, to go grab your copy. And uh, I'll say this too, since you brought up the, the whole apologetics thing, another show that does this in a very intentionally goofy way is the Nick Guy show. It's yeah. all about apologetics. Each one of those is addressing a particular uh, apologetic, and it is very wacky and funny and over the top. And that is a really fun show. So if you haven't checked those out, definitely do. They're, of course, they're available at, at the at the web, website Nick Guy, but also uh, many of them are up on Dramafy. So, yeah, I'm glad you uh, mentioned those because they're a very different style, mm -hmm. uh, but still teaching some of those core apologetic truths. So that was that was a good good call. Yeah, I mean, because if you like, you know, Dr. Kleiner and Cecil and they're back and forth and just the funny characters like that, you'll like the Nick Guy show. So. All right. Any final thoughts, Michael, before we head out? No, I just want to say to all the Jonathan Park team, please still love me. And uh, <laughs> I still love you. <laughs> so uh, what do you think of the show? Please leave your message after the tone. Hi, Audio Theater Central. Hey, guys, this is Austin Peachy. Hello, J.D., Roy, and Andrew. My name is Victoria. Now, yesterday, I received a letter from a big fan. No time to chat. I've got to email this. Another package for me today. No, it's actually just your mail. Yes, it is time to dive into some feedback. If you would like to get in touch with us, there are several different ways to do that. You can always email feedback at audiotheatercentral.com, comment on the show notes, or send a text, or even better, a voicemail to 623-688-2770. That's 623-688-2770. And we'll play your message on the show. Well, our first comment is from Sarah L. She commented on the last episode, our review of Adventures in Odyssey, episode 176. And she said, I'm so excited to hear that Shadows and Daylight is recording their second season. I just recently finished listening to their first season on Dramafy, and I'm very eager to hear more. Thanks for the great review, as always. Well, thank you very much, Sarah. And yes, I'm excited about Shadows and Daylight as well. 
I uh, got to hear a little snippet of some sound design that Christopher Green was working on the other day for one of the episodes in season two, and it's coming together sounding really good. So good stuff coming from Shadows and Daylight, and thank you, Sarah, for reaching out. Also, I just wanted to say thank you to Marshall Younger, who sent in an email letting us know that he listened to our review of The Long Road Home and that he enjoyed hearing us really get in-depth about the episodes and and picking up on a lot of the, the nuance and the 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 deep lessons that were in those episodes. And uh, so so thank you, Marshall, for first for taking the time to listen and for letting me know that you listened and sharing your thoughts on it. So I appreciate it very much. And also got an email from Judah, just letting me know that he enjoyed the last episode. And we ended up talking a little bit about audio drama production as he's looking to get into that himself. So had some great back and forth emails with him. So thank you, Judah, for reaching out. I know he's been listening to the show for a long time. So I appreciate that. And the next up, we had an email from Jeremy. Actually, a couple of emails. And the first one, he said, I really like the new openings to the segments of the show. Thank you, Jeremy. I haven't gotten very many people commenting on the the, the new changes in, in the format of the show. So I, I really appreciated hearing some feedback on that. And then in his second email, he said, it was great having Austin on the podcast. You two have the same thoughts as I do about Eugene Meltzner. I don't envy the team at all to try and make the right decision. I'm looking forward to seeing how they handled the situation. I also am going to I also am going to miss Earl Bowen as Dr. Regis Blackard and Edwin Blackard. I really thought he was a great voice actor. I will be very interested to see when they do mention this on the official podcast. I am hoping they do a tribute show to Earl. Sincerely, Jeremy. Well, that would be really cool if they did. Uh, I haven't heard if they will. I know that when Will Ryan passed, they did say, hey, we're going to be doing a tribute show. They they mentioned that it was going to be coming up. So I haven't seen anything about that, but it would be really cool if they did. Because as I mentioned in, in the news item about Earl's passing, that you know he did so many other characters too. I mean, obviously, everybody knows him for the Blackard twins, but he did all these other characters over the years as well. So that would be really cool. But uh, thank you, Jeremy, for reaching out, letting me know what you thought about the new changes uh, to the show, and um, that you enjoyed our review of Adventures in Odyssey. And our last bit of correspondence was from Jonathan. And he actually also sent a couple of emails. So his first one, he said, My two favorite audio dramas are G.A. Hinty, though I haven't heard all of them yet, and Jake Muller. Do you happen to know if either will be making any new releases? I know they were having various problems with getting out more releases, but I can't find out if they've given up or not. Just wondering if you happen to know. Well, I don't have any specific exciting news to share that there's going to definitely be coming new shows from either of them. Uh, I wish I did, but I do know that um, they haven't given up. They they both, Tannhauser Gate and Heirloom Audio, both would love to keep putting out new shows. It is a financial thing, and you know it takes a lot of money to 
produce these shows up front and then you got to try to recoup that somehow and be able to not just break even but then be able to finance the next one so it's it's a business you know and so they uh they're both wanting to and i sure sure hope that they both can uh, uh you know the ga hinty shows are some of the highest quality audio drama and um they're they're fantastic and jake muller was amazing as well and that show in particular is something that I've mentioned before was so great to have something aimed at an older demographic. And so I really, really hope they're able to get back into that show and, and make some more. But one thing you can do <laughs> is you can go buy more of the heirloom audio productions buy Jake Muller. If you've only streamed it on drama buy a CD copy or a download and, buy an extra one to give to somebody and then tell other people, you know, every sale that these producers make, you know, goes right back into their business. So getting the word out, that's what it's going to take. And um, that's how they can, you know, get back into the swing of things and start making new shows. Jonathan's second email, he said, great review. This was in regards to the Adventures in Odyssey review. He said, I like your idea about a serialized action audio drama. And then he said, I thought it was kind of strange that you thought Adam, and he's talking about the character of Adam in As Buck Would Have It. Um, he said, I thought it was kind of strange that you thought Adam sounded like Jerry Hauser. I thought the same thing when I heard him. I also thought that about Coyote from California Dreams, but that was Jeff Bottoms. Thanks for all you do, Jonathan. Yeah, there, you know, there's a lot of voice actors out there that have similar tonal qualities to their voices and similar characteristics to their voice. But um, yeah, sometimes there's one that just reminds you of another actor. And I found it interesting that I was not alone in thinking that that actor sounded like Jerry Hauser. Thank you, Jonathan, for sending in your feedback. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, all of you who sent in feedback, I really do enjoy hearing from you because it would be pretty lonely to keep putting this show out month after month and never hear from anybody. So if you do have the time, I always like to hear from you, even if you don't necessarily have a, a comment on anything that was talked about in an episode, if you just send in a message to say that you've been listening and that you're enjoying the show, or if you have a critique for the show, you know, I just like to hear from you. I see the numbers whenever I go and look at them. I see people are downloading, but getting to hear from and interact with you in the community, it always makes my day. So would love to hear from you and uh, always appreciate when you, when you take the time to reach out. Well, with that being said, if you would like to get in touch with us, head over to audiotheatercentral.com slash contact. All of the different ways to do that are listed there. And the show notes with links to everything that has been covered in this episode are at audiotheatercentral.com slash 177. Thank you to Michael Schrader once again for joining me on the show today. And don't forget to join the ATC Insiders. There's a link right on our website. And we'll email you occasionally about what we're up to. And it's just a good way to keep in touch 
with you directly. Well, the song that was used to transition into the review is called One True God by Mark Harris, and it's from the album Windows and Walls. Well, that'll do it for this episode. See you next time. Thank you so much for listening. Audio Theatre Central is a production of Porchlight Family Media. Our theme music was composed by Sam Avendano. The show is produced and edited by yours truly. Our website is audiotheatercentral.com. Porchlight Family Media. Your source for family-centered content. PorchlightFamilyMedia.com